Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Well, we have yet to have, as of this recording, the news that we've all been waiting for on Kawhi Leonard, and the rest of the league feels the same way. The largest contract that has been signed since we last spoke to you is $15 million total, and that was rodney magruder (laughs) so maybe this will not be uh the sexiest episode in the world but we are not about sexy here at dunkton we are about telling you everything that happens in the league whether you want to hear it or not because uh we got to go through it so and we've had a couple of trades of interest as well i think where i'd like to start danny is today's phoenix memphis trade involving josh jackson and kyle corver what are the exact terms there so the phoenix suns are sending Josh Jackson and DeAnthony Melton to the Memphis Grizzlies along with a 2020 second round pick that is conditional based on some protections to Brooklyn. And and, and those are, I think it only goes to Memphis if it's 31 to 35. But there's a decent chance of that happening. Oh, there is. Even Woj, who uh, (laughs) is usually loath, especially in tweets to take a side, noted uh, the history that Phoenix's second round picks are uh, generally quite good. Yeah, it, it was one of those subdued ethers, kind of like, the uh, I think it was Reggie Theus called Elgin Baylor a veteran of the lottery process and I just laughed intensely when that happened the the Elgin Baylor one and loosely on this one as well just because of it wasn't like it wasn't as it wasn't as scathing as as it you know like as it read to probably people like us and then what Memphis sent out is Kyle Korver whose contract is a little less than half guaranteed for this upcoming season about 3.4 million and Javon Carter so to me the primary crux of this trade I mean unless you want to see it as a Javon Carter Melton challenge trade is Memphis taking on Josh Jackson and because he makes more than Kyle Korver getting a second round pick for the privilege and possibly two uh, and possibly two and yeah I mean there a lot going on here none of it says much good uh, about Phoenix number one rather than just stretched uh, so, so let's start here the reason that they felt like they had to do this is because the contract they agreed to with Ricky Rubio which was three years 51 million started at the lowest it could start at based on those reported figures is 16.2 million Kelly Oubre has a 9.6 million dollar cap hold if they want to keep him on the books as a restricted free agent and eventually either be able to match an offer sheet or use full bird rights to bring him back and his market of course is well above any exception and they'd already use the room exception on Frank Kaminsky so they basically had about three and a half million bucks of wiggle room that they needed to create to sign Rubio to that contract and keep Ubre on the books whom of course they traded for in the Trevor Ariza deal last year that was actually a pretty good move by them to recover from that Ariza contract and get Ubre whom they I think rightly see as an asset so Josh Jackson was really the only possible place to cut enough salary they couldn't move guys like Akobo and Melton and just cut those guys or even trade them because they have a pretty low salary so you're really only opening up about five hundred thousand dollars above the empty roster slot cap hold when you bring those guys in or or, or, i'm sorry when you move those guys so that wouldn't have been enough they needed to dump more and so this uh, is how they do it they presumably are going to waive kyle corver and it's 3.4 million guaranteed that's already in fact been the reporting corver lakers can't remember who else is supposed to be in lakers the market sixers and bucks yeah lakers sixers and bucks thank you uh, are supposed to be in the market uh, for his services i i like him best probably there uh, on the sixers of the lakers desperately need uh, guards as well we'll see what, what they get there so anyway josh jackson was the number four overall pick a, a couple years ago 
new regime sunk costs i probably wouldn't have picked up his fourth year option anyway he's just has really struggled kp had in his piece today that he's basically just in terms of how contested they are and where they are on the floor he's taking some of the worst shots in the nba and uh guess what you know he's no kevin durant from the mid-range did improve his three-point shooting up to 32 percent. he has reworked his jumper he'll show flashes defensively but then some of the the character stuff as well missing an autograph session got in trouble at a concert in miami earlier in the offseason and just generally was not deemed to be the greatest teammate or worker while he was in phoenix so i clearly at this point had negative value on that salary despite being uh the number four overall pick and uh that's what i think both of us are, are can probably chalk up in the win column as far as prospect evaluation neither of us really liked him at that number four pick at the time uh ryan mcdonough at that time said that he thought josh jackson was the best player in the draft but you know you say that stuff well and remember that part of it might yeah it does seem like they evaluated josh jackson highly but they also kind of thought they had a point guard and didn't take De'Aaron fox and then they traded that point guard pretty quickly thereafter yeah yeah eric bledsoe i mean he played i think three more games in a son's uniform uh so really what your your two courses of action i mean number one you could have just not paid ricky rubio that much money it seemed like maybe they needed to go there because he had what was reported around three for 45 with indiana indiana then pivoted to brogdon very quickly and it's unclear whether you know indiana's first plan was brogdon or rubio i mean he sounded like it was probably going to be rubio so the Suns really liked Rubio. I don't think he's that good. I think they could have been better off bringing Corey Joseph or Thomas Sadoransky, someone else. I mean, even if you had to pay a little bit more. Now, maybe you could say the Suns' brand is so toxic right now that they just had to overpay and Corey Joseph didn't want to go there or Sadoransky didn't want to go there. I don't buy that necessarily. I mean, Sadoransky or Joseph could have started. and Well, and they went to the Kings and Bulls respectively. So it's not like yeah. they went to the strongest of brands. Yeah, I mean, King, Kings are uh, yeah, but, Kings but are on the Joseph's not going to get a chance to play there as much right yeah no i mean he he could have started i think he i think joseph is probably better than rubio over the next three years would have been cheaper better defender probably a better shooter from three I mean, neither of them are great uh not as good of a passer obviously but they got devin booker who's gonna have the ball in his hands a lot and in any event so they overpay rubio that now forces them into this situation but all right let's take overpaying rubio as a given now you could have just stretched josh jackson that would have put a little under 2.5 million dollars on your cap over the next three years you, you when you stretch someone with a year left on their salary it's double the number of years left on, on the contract plus one so one year left spread it over three years and they do in theory have some cap space aspirations for next year or the summer of 2021 could have had uh, about 29 million in space next year and 43 million the year after although that doesn't factor in a potential high draft pick so you probably lock between five and eight million dollars off of that as well depending on where they end up picking which uh given the way the west is loaded up here probably gonna be pretty high to me that's superior is just stretching him than giving up potentially two picks in like the very you know that 30 to 40 range in the second round that's actually relatively valuable once you get below 45 it's not valuable so yeah i would have just stretched them if this is if they had felt like they had to do this which you know they made the agreement with rubio and they knew there that this was gonna have to happen and uh kudos once again to memphis being yet another trade dumping ground for a team that desperately had to clear space due to an agreement that they had already made i mean this is a, just a, a great deal you get jackson who a flyer i don't like him i don't think he's gonna work out i think they probably declined that 8.9 million dollar fourth year option but i mean this is the type of asset building and rebuilding that memphis finally is embracing i think they've done a wonderful job of it so far this offseason right and something i, I tried to look into was the idea of finding a player basically dead money at about $5 million. Like this is kind of like the Agensa trade that happened last offseason where, yeah, Josh Jackson is not worth $7 million, but maybe a team thinks of him as worth two. And so just because it effectively that's what Phoenix did, but because they lopped so much money off, off, I guess we'll call three, we'll call three and a half million so much money that they gave up those second round pick assets. That might've been another way to do this. A team that just didn't have, wouldn't have had as much of an opportunity cost with the full seven million but there wasn't really a, a great option that i could find out there so i'm not gonna knock them as much for that as i attended to but yeah for memphis you get josh jackson I, i'm hoping they tell him like you better play in summer league or we're declining your option or you know or you're gonna have to really show out in training camp because that option decision is gonna loom over everything yeah. they will have about two weeks of the regular season to yes evaluate him as well and, and they're they have a crowd on the wing but that could thin out you know if they 
end up moving Jay Crowder or you know CJ Miles. I mean, those are all expiring contracts. Uh, so. two, two other straight thoughts on this. One. Like Mario Hazonia, Josh Jackson, should his option get declined, is a yes. player who they could end up bringing back if he has a good year because that that option amount is so high that if it were that that he still has an incentive to try and they have incentive at least in the early part of the year to keep him on the roster should they decline that option if they have i mean memphis has a million yeah, guys i, right I mean they could give him a four-year 40 million dollar contract basically if they wanted to next summer so that, right I mean, that, and that should be plenty yeah and and then the other thing is we're starting to see the early stages and and it'll be interesting to see if if in late october i'm right on this i think i will be of the rookie scale getting bounced up really starting to have impacts because all of a sudden and all of these options, well, some of them are still no-brainers, of course, but they're getting tougher. And, you know, like I, I've talked about the Damian Jones option mistake that the Warriors made that that is rearing its head right now. That's that's a bigger problem for them, I think, than they expected. I don't think they expected to be hard cap this year. But those decisions around the league are, are becoming more important. And now I, I mean, you can do it on potential. Some teams don't have the opportunity risk that other teams do. But I, I like that. I think that that leads to front offices having to think about things a little bit differently yeah and maybe the change of scenery will help josh jackson and and, and, you know this is 2016 we saw bender and chris coincidentally both sons at the time or you know chris got traded from the Suns, but with the intention of having his option to climb by the rockets number four and number eight overall get their rookie options declined now we could see number one and number four in 2016 get their fourth year options declined and that is those are some big misses man a top five pick you don't even exercise it's fourth year option but yeah as you said a lot of it has to do with uh the fact that those numbers uh are rising um and and one other quick thing Uh, you you brought this up a little earlier but it bears repeating james jones is treating a lot of what ryan mcdonough did as just sunk costs get out of it as quickly as possible and i don't think that story is over i think elliot kobo especially with javon carter coming in in this trade i think that he is not long for the suns and that will basically wipe it all out other than devin booker yeah and the, and the carter melton challenge trade here is interesting too i mean carter is impressive defensively but his shooting and just overall offense was absolutely atrocious last year i mean it's really he's going to be hard pressed to get to an nba level uh, but you know if he actually ever figures out how to hit a shot and he is you know he's aggressive enough at least shooting the ball he makes you think maybe there's some hope there you know he does he's i think he's definitely better defensively than melton melton is kind of has some decent help instincts but he's not so great on the ball and then uh but melton i think showed a lot more and he's way younger than carter as an offensive player so if you wanted to pick who i'd rather have as a flyer i, I think memphis won that part of it last thing on memphis they're they a pretty high team salary for a team that's just totally rebuilding right now. And we thought that with that Conley trade, all right, they opened up this huge trade exception, but they saved a ton of money. And now they have used that to take on 17 million of Iguodala, who, you know, it's already rumored that he's going to be joining the Lakers, uh, getting bought out. We'll see Memphis, you know, the obligatory tweet of, oh, you know, he wants, they want him to help mentor their young guys. We'll see. Uh, Andre might be a little crotchety about having to be in Memphis. Uh, but, and then to also now take on a, a little bit more out of that trade exception in Jackson, increasing your obligations by a, another three and a half million or so. I mean, they're only about 4 million below the tax right now and they've got 17 players in theory uh, on the roster uh but you know th- this actually has some uh, and when i say 17 million below the tax that includes a cap hold for right which is about 7.6 million but i would expect his new salary to come in dylan right right about there uh and then but that's a pretty good financial commitment for a low revenue team that is probably you know they're in a rebuilding year they have they'll have some incentives to try and keep that top six protected pick next year but it's a good financial commitment for ownership they've and they've gotten a lot of draft pick compensation out of these guys and who knows you know maybe they leave they try to keep some of these guys i mean they actually have some more guys who are flippable i mean iguodala jay crowder cj miles i mean those are guys who you know could get you a second if not a first uh, in at the deadline if they in fact keep those guys around that long so good job by memphis's ownership which is not known as you know being that aggressive financially well and thank you to the quiet period for giving us the opportunity to talk for 15 minutes about this trade (laughs) but it's an interesting one and i think it's it illuminates the difference between these two teams approaches and i think we might as well just talk about the other memphis trade as well it's not nearly as sexy but memphis trades 
Chandler Parsons to the Atlanta Hawks in exchange for Solomon Hill. Remember back in the day when Indiana declined his option and Miles Plumley. And and so I mean this is I mean you could think of it as a roster spot trade. It really it's only a roster spot trade if one of these guys ends up making their respective teams. But yeah. it's I, I I still like Solomon Hill the best of those guys. Depending on how healthy Chandler Parsons is, my assumption is always not healthy. But again, you know the Grizzlies have a million guys on their roster, so maybe he maybe Hill ends up getting bought out and ends up being a player that this is what I thought Alan Crabb was going to be, which is totally not worth the salary he's making, but actually could be a decent minimum guy if that if Memphis ends up letting him go. Yeah, and actually, if Parsons is healthy, I kind of like him a little bit more in that, I mean, he can't, you know, he's not necessarily going to bring the ball up, but as a guy who can do some kind of ball handling on the perimeter, shoot it a little bit, make some passes out of pick and roll, I like him as a, a second unit guy more than I do Evan Turner, where he's not going to take something off the table. Uh, I mean, just incredible. Three more sour 16s traded for each other, like the about this deck chair sh- shuffling uh, for these sour 16s uh, has been incredible. These guys signed it. it 2016 to uh to awful contracts so yeah for atlanta i don't really see what the reason is here to bring in parsons except maybe just bring yourself a a another roster spot that they might have wanted to have to take a few more flyers or take guys on to facilitate trades it looks like they're probably going to go into the regular season with a fair amount of cap room it doesn't seem like they're going to sign anybody to anything other than minimums they got 12 players under contract now but let you get a couple a couple more minimum guys in and then that you could still waive and maybe just parsons is still salary fodder so is turner so is crabs so they've got a lot of contracts that i mean they have 78 million in space next year but if there's a team that wants to dump salary going forward they could continue to be a super fun side that seems like what the plan is here uh, i mean i know that's not a particularly satisfying explanation about why they would do this but uh so be it i, I think it's just about the roster spot that's the, the only explanation i can come up with here unless you've got a better one no not particularly all right is that it for trades i guess we have the side and trade technically it is a trade of jake layman to the minnesota timberwolves three years 11.3 million was reported as 11.5 but it was subsequently noted that he's going to go into the dario Sharic trade exception remember way back at the draft Sharic was traded with the number 11 pick for the number six pick which became Jarrett culver the those two picks don't carry any salary designation until the guy gets signed so Sharich was basically going to get traded into Phoenix's cap space. That allows Minnesota as an over-the-cap team to get a trade exception for the amount of his salary plus $100,000. And then they're able to use every bit of that to take in a sign-and-traded layman. Seems like the layman was restricted, but it seemed like Portland being in the tax was not going to give him this type of an offer. And uh, his agent, Mark Bartlestein, keeps winning, uh, of course. And I think layman, this is kind of, because they're using the trade exception, it's kind kind of free money for minnesota i mean they're still they've got a little bit of an issue below the tax uh, they have about 12 million below the tax they've got their full mid-level exception they've got their bae as well and they still have the restricted free agency of tyus jones that number does not include a cap hold for him so probably seems likely that either they got to bring back jones and it seems like they're they're playing the tough guy and restricted free agency game with him which i would be doing too and hope that they can maybe bring him back or he comes back on his qualifying offer for a number low enough that they could potentially use the, the mid-level but there's not really much left on the point guard market they kind of have to bring jones back uh so it doesn't seem like they're going to use much of that mid-level now because of course it makes little sense for them to to pay the tax for a team that's probably especially with the way dallas and new orleans have loaded up is unlikely to be in the playoff picture not entirely for sure out of it but it seems unlikely to me. so layman i think that's he's a decent he showed a little bit of shooting ability a little bit of defense he's got some athleticism they're a little light on fours maybe he can play up at the four but you know I, i'm not wild about this contract especially well, he, if here's a guess cost. yeah I, I unless you've heard something reported that i have not i wouldn't be surprised if there was some lighter guarantees on the final year of this and if that's true, I would feel a, bit, a little bit better about it. But I don't think it's a huge yeah. deal either way. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's not a huge opportunity cost going forward for them. You know, they've slated to maybe have $10 million in space next year. That's unless they make some significant cost-cutting moves. That's not, you know, they'll be over the cap again next year and then should have maybe a, 
as much as 28 million in room the year after that so i mean this isn't like going to kill them as far as cap space and flexibility going forward it's more about the opportunity cost versus the tax this year but i don't know who else was out there that was so sexy for them marcus morris maybe but it seems like he's gonna end up on one of these cap space teams and outside of the wolves budget ultimately all right where do you want to go next let's go to the clippers couple of interesting things there shams tranier was the original person reporting that they have already guaranteed lou williams contract for the 2021 season so that's not the season that we're going into right now the season after that he had a partial guarantee it seems like kind of a show of good faith type of a deal and i mean maybe related to the Kawhi recruitment in some way maybe could be and i mean lou williams is has had a really really good run with the clippers and that contract which was a justifiable extension when you consider the the risk involved more, and if, more than justifiable when you, i mean you consider like what terrence ross got well, no i mean from season. lou williams standpoint like this wasn't oh, one yeah, of, it, yeah. this wasn't a heist or you know anything like that it was it was a reasonable thing that just has looked really good for the clippers since it was signed and so guaranteeing that it's a it's a it's a nice little showing there and it's steve Ballmer's money we'll have to see i mean there is an outside chance that that ends up having some import later on i hope it doesn't because lou will's one of my favorite players to watch but we'll we'll see what happens there and then the other piece of news from clipperland is rodney magruder rodney magruder signed a three-year 15 million dollar deal i believe both of us are higher on magruder than the average media member much less fan i i just i like his game i like the way he competes on defense and also by agreeing to this early and this is more prominent with him because magruder made the starter criteria the clippers are actually able to drop his cap hold a little bit lower because they don't need match rights because they agreed to a contract yeah it's his qualifying offer uh with starter criteria was uh, about three million dollars so your cap hold as a restricted free agent is the larger of your normal cap hold. his normal cap hold would be the minimum uh or your qualifying offer in this case qualifying offer was larger so is that a lot of these former first round picks generally their cap hold is larger than their qualifying offer so that's why their cap holds are much bigger but in the case of magruder uh, they're able to reduce it get about an extra 1.5 million or so in spending power and wouldn't shock me to see maybe a non-guarantee on the end of this uh, when everything comes out this is also one where the clippers would be wise to do uh the maximum declines they have full bird rights they could do eight percent declines uh on him which you know would save them about a million dollars on the last year of that deal depending on the non-guarantees maybe they wouldn't be as interested in that but that's a good piece of business for them i think magruder's underrated and recall they got him basically in an orchestrated trade with miami who waived him at the last possible moment when a lot of teams didn't have roster spots and couldn't create them due to the fact that their own guys would have had to be waived and go through waivers before they could put the waiver claim in on magruder and so this was all kind of orchestrated miami wasn't going to bring him back that his uh having made the starter criteria i think his price was too high and and so good job by the clippers basically getting him for absolutely nothing i mean that's a five million dollar a year player and as i mentioned that is the largest contract uh that is was signed (laughs) by anyone since uh, we last spoke to you uh let's go to another interesting one for me and that's in new orleans Darius Miller, another guy I think that you and I like, but this is a little bit of a rich contract. Using early bird rights, David Griffin signed him to a two-year 14.25. Love it when they go to a second digit after the decimal point contract with a non-guaranteed second year and this was the pe- this was the signing that got me inspired me to write finally a full explainer of how the human trade exception works because that seems exactly like what this is yeah miller had fallen behind kendrick williams in the rotation uh towards the end of last year although obviously uh, miller was a veteran they didn't think he was necessarily going to be back but yeah that's exactly what this is and the way you know it is because they put that non-guaranteed second year on the end and overpaid him really in the first year to do that and so yeah having his shooting around and they've got a lot of defense on this team now so his limitations you know and there's times when he was like asked to defend the other team's best wing and you know he's, he's not athletic enough to do that but he still is a money shooter fell off a little bit last year but you know a guy i trust to hit shots and so maybe he'll have a little bit of a role here but if he had only gotten one year then because they had early bird rights on him he could have vetoed a trade as a one-year guy who had bird rights and would have lost him in the trade so that's why they put this non-guaranteed second year on there and i think this is a, a great idea because if you look at this roster everybody else who's on here with the exception maybe of uh, nicola melli is someone that they expect to be a, a part of this team and you know if they're making a playoff run they got all these draft assets uh, they could maybe 
cash in Miller to get you know a Jay Crowder type of you know similar salary type of guys throw in a few of your non-guarantees to to add up even a little more salary than that so uh nice piece of work here by Griffin and good financial commitment by uh, the Pelicans granted they're still not going to have some huge salary but you're paying a guy basically seven million dollars just to maybe potentially trade him you know if you're going to pay three or four million to Miller that would make sense so you're overpaying him some but uh yeah and so the Pels will be able to keep his cap hold which is just under three million on the books they had just enough cap space to do that uh and sign him shortly after i had finished the first draft of that piece one of the other players who was a focus of that piece became not a human trade exception that was tj mcconnell i thought everything was squared up for philly to give him a a balloon payment for the 1920 season and then a non-guarantee for the second year oh as a clarification i don't don't know if you said i didn't hear you say this the reason you do two years here is because if you do one with a player with with bird rights yeah i, I they, did say it. you did say it. okay good well also if you're signing a contract pursuant to the early bird exception that's right you also have to do a, a second year so that's the another good call for this, yeah. yes and so so tj mcconnell seemed like another logical fit for this because he had a minimum cap hold and and you know he could help the sixers in the interim even though he's a poor fit for certain elements of what they're doing yeah but in, i mean he, he averaged like 20 minutes a game during yeah, the regular absolutely. season last year it's just in the playoffs playing with simmons is impossible right and instead he is signing with the indiana pacers two years seven million looks like he is using their remaining cap space which would mean that the pacers still have the room exception available but they're getting pretty close to done here and that's that's fine for mcconnell that he'll be there i mean so it's gonna he's gonna be competing with aaron holiday it sounds like for the guard minutes and presumably both of those guys are going to get some opportunities while victor oladipo is on the mend so it's a reasonable contract I, i'm fine with mcconnell at that number yeah so my, my only concern is that they're gonna play tj too much and not have enough shooting on the floor especially if they're gonna play these two bigs and that they're also that they won't just play brogdon at the one and lamb at the two uh and that they're just gonna be like totally stuck in the mud i mean because tj is just a coach's favorite and especially an older school coach like mcmillan i think is gonna love him a talented um, defensive guard in his own right i could imagine him liking yeah. the grittiness of, of mcconnell and then another note from zach Lowe, which is worth mentioning we didn't know this when we recorded on the signing trade of malcolm brogdon this uh, oh i thought you were gonna go with the note by zach Lowe that uh they now have oh three players named tj on the team <laughs> <laughs> which all three tjs that are currently in the, in the nba oh that's fantastic and and they also were the longest tenured employer of tj ford so we'll see <laughs> we'll see where that goes but so the other note from 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 zach was that the terms of the first round pick that's going to milwaukee in exchange for malcolm brogdon it is lottery protected for six drafts from 2020 to 2025 and then unprotected in 26 you can correct me if i'm wrong but didn't they do an unusual long run running protection on a second round pick with Brooklyn uh, I think it was three years where it was protected 31 to uh to 44 that was the the um Thaddeus Young trade yeah which might that might even still be out there uh but anyway also interesting a note from Brian Windhorst who said that the way that this sign and trade for Brogdon went down was Herb Simon was interested in Brogdon and called up the Bucks and said hey I think it's unseemly we are partners in this business to do a restricted free agent offer sheet those can kind of get nasty between the teams and the players and stuff so how about we just work out compensation if you are if you're not going to match this contract and that's what they ended up doing maybe you could argue that the Pacers could have avoided having to do that if they just gave them the offer sheet but you know maybe there's still a little concern that the Bucks might have matched and then you know they would have had 20 million in cap space just sitting around and no point guard on the team because everyone else would have signed so maybe it's worth it to just be sure getting your guy you know the first round pick probably would have been enough for me the two seconds seems a, a little extreme but I, I just thought that was an interesting note on how this came about yeah that is really interesting and an update on the second round pick protection that ever is enwrapped in the world it's that is protection is for another three years on that second rounder so they did it for six i guess which is awesome oh yeah oh it's actually it only goes if it's 31 to 40 right it only goes if it's 30 until it becomes unprotected all the way in 2023 and the trade was made in 2016 amazing yeah well hopefully for the pacers this obligation won't be out that long because if it is they will have missed the playoffs no no it's the opposite they've made the playoffs those years or they've had a good enough record no no i'm talking about the back to the brogdon oh brogdon Uh, got it got it got it protected yeah sorry um Let's turn to Golden State now. They have made a a number of interesting signings here. 
we talked about Kavon Looney uh report is that there is a player option on the last year of his deal that would in part explain why he came back for less money than some thought he could get although I mean that was kind of you know room exception was kind of what the other offers were likely to be so getting that third guaranteed year but also the ability to opt out and get a a larger contract when Golden State hasn't hard capped themselves or or go elsewhere uh, clearly had a, an appeal to him and then so they already had some massive hard cap problems and then somehow uh, are exacerbating those even more i think with good signings or at least one of them is a pretty good signing willie collie stein is probably going to start for them at center the report from zach Lowe is that he was brought in for slightly above the minimum which you know the minimum would have been 1.6 million uh, for him at least on the warriors books because you're the two-year veteran minimum either way and then but the amount that collie stein would actually get paid as a four-year veteran is 1.737 million we're we're going to be getting to a lot of decimal points here when we're talking about the warriors this year so above the minimum because so he would actually been paid that but it only would have been 1.6 on the warriors books but above the middle i mean he's getting paid more and then all of that above the 1.6 also goes in the warriors book so if it's above the minimum you know i guess that's we don't know exactly how much that is but it's probably gonna be like two million or something like that so the warriors give up another you know four hundred thousand or so in hard cap money and then they also do a similar thing with uh glenn robinson the third the other way that a player who's making the minimum or close to it can doesn't count at that lower number if they have more than two years of experience is if it's not a one-year contract and when you move it beyond that it gets in, it gets problematic or it doesn't get problematic it's just it's more expensive you then you get the full payment amount for both years or however many years it's going to be and so that means glenn robinson counts at the counts at his number not at the veteran minimum number or not at the two-year minimum sorry two-year minimum number and that also makes me think that it's possible that Kali Stein it ends up getting something like a player option here just because at that point maybe it's just to I mean if he, we'll see but yeah so each one of these counts a little bit that lends credence to the idea that especially because also they signed Kali Stein who plays the same position that Damian Jones or Jacob Evans might not be long for the Warriors because moving them theoretically would save the Warriors would give them a little bit more breathing room or finding a home for Sean Livingston those are all possibilities and so we'll keep an eye on that the Warriors have already given up assets to move to move Iguodala and then some something in the Durant Russell yeah and they also gave up a bunch of seconds in the maneuvering to get uh Alan Smiley each as well Mm -hmm. uh and uh Eric Pascal I think it's Pascal is actually uh Pascal yeah uh how you say I was saying Pascal because uh I hadn't actually heard his name before uh yeah maybe uh the fact that Jones had uh six fouls in the first half of the uh the summer league game uh had a little bit of a impact on this but you know i mean as far as i'm concerned they should have known that jones uh couldn't play a, a long time ago and again he's making 2.3 million so 700,000 they could recoup those savings by moving on for a minute and it really seems like between jones evans and sean livingston like uh all those guys have to be completely gotten off their books what it's going to take to do that yeah, that'll be interesting i mean maybe maybe they go, go into the season with those guys and find a way to dump them during during the year it might be a little easier than it is like right now when it seems like this space uh, is at a premium when everyone has uh, stars in their eyes and then finally uh, actually two more things one is that quinn cook uh is no longer a restricted free agent we saw it with jordan bell uh cook again just because his qualifying offer would have been above the minimum they just decided to move on from him and, and there's less need for cook now uh, with the signing uh, of d'angelo russell then greg lawrence clay thompson's agent told Woj that uh after thompson had his, his acl surgery with the swelling having gone down that he could be back in five to seven months and uh i'm sure everyone found that completely laughable because you know this isn't 1996 anymore guys the standard of care is guys take a lot longer and so then uh, the follow-up tweet from Woj was uh yeah it'll be more towards the seven months of that uh, end of that no shit and i uh, mean maybe you know i mean what's seven months from now that's and that's still February, right? Like, yeah, oh, it, it was the early yeah. side of that was around Christmas, which is what got people a little bit crazy. Yeah, I mean, I still think you know if he's back by March first, they should they should be happy, and perhaps it'll be determined slightly if they're you know on track for 38 wins then they'll probably be a lot more conservative with it uh, if they're looking great then maybe he comes back 
a little earlier um where do you want to go next here this is so hilarious that we're spending so much time on this compared to like all these seismic ones even on that uh, that three and a half hour podcast from the other day Uh, the bulls had two signings so let's go to the bulls ryan archer diacono who the bulls were able to retain his cap hold as they made their other moves like signing thaddeus young they gave him nine million over three years we do not know the guarantee structure on that again like the jake layman deal wouldn't surprise me if there's ended up being partially guaranteed or maybe even yeah. non-guaranteed in that so it seems season. a little aggressive for uh, a third point guard but the, he's been a good organizational soldier they'd like to reward him sure and then the other signing and, and also this uh, comes even makes even more clear the uh the end of chris dunn in chicago yes which would be a way that they could clear some space and they are also getting the unicornet luke cornet signed a two-year deal we do not have the terms of that as of what i've heard it, it appears as if it's the room exception and i don't know if it's that'd the be a entire little, room that'd be a little rich for him but yeah but but i mean there's also they're not gonna have cap space next year so it's like why not just use them and, and they did need a fourth big and a traditional center yeah and, and well. he can so, space the floor and so, so i don't mind i mean if that's the best guy they could get with the room exception for two years like why not just spend it it's not going to stop them from spending anything next year so i i think it's fine even if it is an overpay i don't do you find that persuasive at all a little bit and and they do need you know i i think that he can bring a, a different element to the kind of the end of their big man rotation you know just i like something yeah. I, at some point i might write uh, also a, a good bit this. with thad young if they're gonna play yeah that. yeah exactly and so give you different looks and depending on the depending on the opponent you can go there and also injuries or ineffectiveness or anything like that also bad news for the bulls wendell carter is now gonna have to have core muscle surgery remember he missed half the season with that thumb ligament injury was trying to ramp up for summer league and now has has suffered this injury so he's gonna miss summer league uh, as well it's too bad they really needed him to uh get some more uh, development time presumably he'll still be the starter uh, at center once he's able to get back brooklyn bring in wilson chandler on a minimum contract solid value there just to get another wing combo forward type but they needed some of those uh, with damari carroll and jared dudley out the door more interesting is a little more clarity on their cap situation they are actually getting something in addition to that first round pick uh, albert namada had this uh, that what they're able to do is they actually can now pay deandre jordan they don't have to do this unlikely bonuses thing with kd and Kyrie. they need like another you know two hundred thousand in space maybe they they move Musa uh, to do that to give Kyrie and well, or they just use an unlikely bonus for Jordan or the the amount yeah. that they reported on him is just slightly inflated. It was yeah. I mean, there, there there are ways to get there, but but anyway, what the way it's going to work is D'Angelo Russell has like a twenty one million dollar cap hold, so you keep that on the books. You sign all your free agents except for KD. Then they're able to trade the newly re signed Russell plus shaz napier and travion graham who then get rerouted to minnesota from the warriors but the reason those guys had to be in the trade and to get a certain amount guaranteed is because then they have to match salary to bring back kd so russell napier graham get traded for kd after they've already used up all their cap space including russell's cap hold so everyone gets their money and then you can bring kd in and now they're they basically manufacture 10 million in salary cap space out of thin air uh, by using russell so a good piece of business there for the nets and the timing is also very impressive from namad and presumably from marks yeah. because doing it in that order means that d'angelo russell is not base your compensation which is how the kevin durant trade works because if they signed him you know you, you have to have enough space to sign russell to his contract otherwise you're subject to byc yeah so i guess they're not actually leaving the leaving his cap they can't go all the that way because then, then he would be over, base yeah. year but it's cl- that's yeah, right yeah but it's close yeah, just yeah. working through the math as i was just talking about right now i kind of re- i was like how are they getting around base here and then oh yeah so so it's not they're not going to use this small capital they'll just sign him to the 27 million first add those other two guys in and that's how you get up to match the salary for kd coming back uh, at 38 million in that double sign and trade maneuver boston well, oh, yeah go ahead sorry no go ahead uh, you're done on, on brooklyn or are you no it was just on? i i just it also explains why the warriors are sending cash to minnesota in the in that in that component of this trade because if they yeah. were 
were non-guaranteed, why would you send cash? Right. Yeah, they have to be guaranteed. So Boston, Daniel Tice is going to return for two years, 10 million. This is another one similar to philosophy. They had the early bird rights on him. He had the, the small cap hold. Uh, and so they're basically able to pay him this amount. They're going to be over the cap next year anyway, unless Gordon Hayward opts out. So little opportunity cost. The fact that they're able to keep Tice's small cap hold around, sign Kemba Walker first that's useful they're also going to bring back brad wanamaker who remember they did not give him a restricted free agent qualifying offer but they still maintain his bird rights they're able to bring him back sounds like the minimum or close to it for him and then uh vincent poirier i keep thinking poirot when i when i see him uh we will solve the mystery of how to pronounce his last name soon i'm gonna guess poirier Uh, I mean, my wife is, speaks fluent French, so I should probably just ask her. Uh, yeah. But looking like a, a one-year minimum deal, and the Celtics have really gotten quite the train going from Europe here. Remember, it was Tice two years ago, Wanamaker this year. He didn't get much of a chance, obviously, with all the point guard depth, but he might get to play more this year with them not having a traditional backup point guard in the fold. You know, Smart may play there, but they'll, Wanamaker will have some chances, presumably, if this is the roster. And now uh, Poirier this year on what looks like a two-year minimum deal. They get these guys uh, at the minimum who want to come over, and... And, uh, you know, if you can play it all, that, that'll that be a, a win for them at, at that type of price. Celtics now pretty much out of space. Might have a little bit more in there still, uh, but they're at 13 players, including Romeo Langford and Grant Williams. They're two draftees. So they're probably about done here. Nate, we have a small piece of, I wouldn't call it breaking news. I would call it supplemental reporting from okay. Tim McMahon that the Grizzlies do not plan to give Andre Guadalla a buyout before the season and are actively exploring the trade market for Iguodala, and the Rockets and Mavs are among the teams with interest. Oh, oh, really? You mean you mean Andre Iguodala, a Hall of Famer who started for a championship team in the playoffs and a final season in the playoffs at $17 million for one year? He might actually have some trade value? You, you don't have to just dump him and give up an unprotected first-round pick to do that? Is that what five you're telling days, me? Five then? days ahead of time. But also... Let me connect the dots here just briefly that if theoretically Iguodala is traded somewhere else and then eventually that team waives him, Iguodala would then theoretically, should the bridges be passable, be able to re-sign with the Golden State Warriors this season as opposed to not being banned due to the Zajunas-Legaskis rule. So, I mean, if it's Rockets... They're not going to cut it. Well, well, I mean, that would, that would be Clint Capella. That's who it would be. Yeah. Would you do that if you're the Rockets? No. No. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's especially going forward. Out, yeah, I, I think Clint Capella is a reasonable... Even even though he wasn't as good last year as we hoped and expected, I still think he's worth his contract. And they also, if they don't have Clint Capella, they need somebody like Clint Capella. And I don't know that there's anybody... There's like a Capella light on the market right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, you could always try and trade for a center later on or, or something too. Although, again, the Rockets' salary matching issues... It, could be a problem uh yeah rockets i mean they've always liked iguodala but it's, it seems the mavs would potentially make more sense here uh and they they could put together some salary as well uh you know i mean one thing that might make some sense is even if it's only a second for iguodala to trade like courtney lee for him you reduce memphis's money and then you you also throw in a, a second rounder or something like some other kind of asset so that's that would be uh and i think that'd be a great trade for dallas yeah i mean they could really really use an experienced three right now now they're, they're still supposed to be in the market for danny green too but if they could get iguodala and danny green um you know presumably they would use their cap space before making the trade for iguodala but yeah i mean the map i guess the maps too could just take iguodala into space that's the other thing they could do as well for right now. how hilarious would it be if memphis takes him into a trade exception and then moves him for an asset into someone else's space during oh, the same off season <laughs> Maybe even during the moratorium. That'd be even funnier. All right, so uh, let's move on here. Uh, where do you want to go next? Well, we're, we were already talking about Dallas, so let's just talk about Dorian Finney-Smith. Three years, $12 million. Very similar to, you could just cut and paste the Rodney Magruder thing we talked about that they don't he has bird rights so they can they can use that if they want to clear but Finney Smith I don't believe met the starter criteria so the cap hold part of it is not as big a part element of the story I like Finney Smith I think that's totally reasonable price for him absolutely yeah I mean he actually that's that's one of the few guys got more in the mock off season than he's uh, getting in real life here and but I, I think that's a solid price didn't there wasn't really a clear place for Finney Smith uh, as far as getting an offer sheet uh, at above this level and he defends well gonna have to continue to show improvement in the three-point shot but I mean for a guy who may start for them and is gonna be their best defender on the wing at least as of now uh, solid enough uh, price there also a little bit of reporting from 
I forget the gentleman's name who is like Danny Green's podcast partner. He's basically indicating that the Mavs have made the biggest financial offer to Danny Green and the most years. If Kawhi goes back to Toronto, then it'd probably on a two-year deal, it'd probably be two years for Danny Green too, but Toronto has tax issues. Then maybe the Lakers, if they don't get Kawhi, would up their offer, which, you know, that, that all makes perfect sense there. Uh, well, let me say something yeah. about I, how I think those negotiations went. I'm guessing that Dallas probably tried to get Danny Green to commit earlier. And if they had the best offer, I can understand why. And from Dallas's perspective, if you, if you like him best, but I'm guessing as as so many players went off the board so quickly, Green probably realized he had way more leverage, and so at that point he could probably just turn to the Mavericks and go, "Well, why would this offer come off the board? Because who else are you going to spend that money on? Like, I don't think they're going to throw the same money at KCP or something like that." So then at that point, the Mavericks didn't really have much. They didn't really have much leverage to force an early decision. So now they just kind of have to wait it out. Dallas also agreeing to a two-year, $7.5 million pact with Boban Marjanovic. Probably going to come out of the room exception. Could also come out of cap room uh, should they just not have any to use. Uh, and they want to preserve the room exception for potential buyout candidates uh, instead. And But, you know, if they don't use all of, of their over $20 million in cap space, uh, then they could just use a cap space on him instead. And Boban, as a fourth big, I think is a reasonable fit there for situations where maybe Dwight Powell is a a little bit too small or they want a little bit more of a post-up look he's actually a pretty good pick and roll player hit the offensive glass just knock some heads uh and then in in matchups where he's not as comfortable you could use Powell out there he's a little more mobile although I think his mobility is a little overrated and then you know Porzingis obviously is not gonna be playing every game you know he's probably gonna be on the the load management plan coming back uh, from that ACL so I, I think this is one of those what are you what else are you spending your money on type of things uh, for the Mavs and they're not likely to be a cap space player this one at least is only two they're not likely to be a cap space player next year so this one for two years uh, lines up a little bit better with that 2021 offseason that you and I have been focusing on where to next Boban's previous team the Philadelphia 76ers couple of pieces of reporting there first from Woj that the Sixers have offered Ben Simmons a max extension and they're still working on the details we can guess what those details are they are kind of maybe some of the some of the escalators for if he qualifies as a designated player and then also potentially a player option in that fifth season I expect something to get done if the Sixers have that money on the table just from a risk management standpoint I I mean, Simmons, I think he kind of has to take that. And even if you, for whatever reason, if he wants to be somewhere else, eventually you can still do that while on that contract yeah and we'll see i mean you remember joel Embiid? i think he had to make first team all nba it was to trigger the 30 percent max and uh was unable to do that now they could do it for anything even a third team all nba could trigger the 30 percent max but i'm guessing the sixers with the coming luxury tax apocalypse with horford harris and Embiid already making you know, the max or close to it that they will be pretty stingy on those 25 max criteria they don't want him backing into a third team all nba not at the guard position and you know triggering tens of million dollars in additional luxury taxes from what they're already going to have to pay uh in minnesota noah vonley well, actually, can we do the other them? piece of Minis- the other piece in Philly? The oh, right. Yeah, sorry. About I thought Horford's we got to that contract. Yeah, no, no. So I, I, yeah. I think this is this ties in with the Simmons thing because right. what Horford, what sounds like they're going to do, and this will cost Philadelphia cap space in the immediate, is they're going to front load his contract. And then we talked about the the idea of it being the the phrasing was like partially guaranteed for championships. And so what it sounds like they're going to do there is it's fully guaranteed for the early going. And then like the last year will be about half guaranteed with triggers to make it fully guaranteed. And so that's. I, I think it's good to, to front load it unless there's something great that you can do with that space. And considering how many guys are off the board at this point, I think that makes some sense, even though depth was such a huge issue for the 76ers last year. And related to depth, they did also sign two other guys. They signed James Ennis. It looks like that is the with non-bird. We don't know that for sure yet, but that's what the numbers kind of look like. And then Shake Milton signed a four-year deal. We don't know the terms yet. I don't think this is going to be the triumphant return of the Hinky special, meaning a contract that's basically not guaranteed at all for four years. Actually, some guarantee in the first year, but then nothing after that, because that doesn't really happen anymore. But we'll see. 
Minnesota, I missed that. Uh, Noah Vonley signing there when we talked about uh, Jake Lehman. Another option at the four. I thought he had some moments. Still like him better as a, kind of a speed switch center. He's not that athletic around the rim, though, and doesn't really have great rim-protecting instincts. His three ball is ever so slowly coming along. He is a great rebounder. So maybe he could play a little bit of backup center, play a little bit of four. Carl Anthony Towns, I always felt like the roster builders and his coaches always kind of abused his versatility and ability to shoot by just sticking these non-shooting bigs next to him instead of saying oh we have this unstoppable post-up guy let's put shooting around it but you know you can play that way um and they still got jang as well so they have a lot of options in the front court uh, jordan bell went there probably not knowing that vonley was going to go there thinking he would have more of an opportunity so it'll be interesting competition between vonley and bell uh, for some of those backup power forward minutes the lakers signing a couple of guys to minimum deals this will not of course uh, affect their cap space at all because they can just sign these guys to minimums after they use it you can always sign a guy to minimum unless you are hard capped and you would run afoul of the gap but jared dudley not the place where i think he would have the most value added just because you know if they sign Kawhi and then lebron and they have kuzma still that's a, a lot of guys who are at dudley's position where D- dudley is a four almost like kind of a five at times now even defensively although he can't rebound but good shooter, we, we love his defensive intelligence. I think he could really up the IQ of the group. Uh, considered a, a good vet, and they just need some shooting and guys who can defend. He can do that. You know, someone who maybe at the higher levels in the playoffs could be taken advantage of from a quickness and athleticism standpoint but you know he was effective even against ben simmons in that series a little bit of an injury risk at 33 but for the minimum this is you know the type of minimum signings they should have been doing last year and yeah granted there are more players available this year for the minimum despite the fact there's more room there are also just so many players who are free agents because everyone took one-year deals and then another guy troy daniels who pretty much just a single faceted gunner at this point really struggles defensively can't do much off the dribble but he will knock down three-point shots and that's also something that they'll need and again maybe not a guy who's going to play in the playoffs but you throw uh, Dudley I think will but uh, Daniel's probably not but you could just throw him around these guys and just give him some shooting and and not take too much off the table during the regular season so a totally fine signing for what presumably will be towards the end of the roster in Daniels. It wouldn't surprise me if Dudley had stronger financial offers on the table but the Lakers combination of competitiveness with or without Kawhi and proximity I mean he Dudley is a San Diego native it wouldn't surprise me there was something i think that i heard that he always wanted to play for the lakers and this is a pretty damn good time to do it can compared to most of the rest of jared dudley's career so if you if that's something you wanted i, I applaud him for taking the opportunity and there is a another philadelphia signing that we didn't mention yeah man, which I'm is really actually blowing it here well the, the, the it's it's a little bit looser we're in this the, in this time is actually my favorite maybe of their signings just because they got him for the minimum hello neto i really like neto competitive and the biggest flaw with him is that he can't stay healthy and that's a problem for Philadelphia but I I like him on I like him on their team and I'm surprised that nobody claimed him because Neto his contract was so low that there are a lot of teams even though a lot of teams have cap space. First of all, some of those teams could could do something. But also, there are a lot of teams that have small trade exceptions, and you can use a small trade exception to claim somebody off waivers. One of those teams might have might have done well to, to claim him. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but you know, I think a lot of it too, especially a guy who's at this level, you just like don't want to piss the agent off uh, by claiming. I do think more teams should maybe go that route. But uh, Utah, couple more nice signings. Jeff Green, in particular, one year for the minimum shot, uh, about as well as he has on threes the last couple of years maybe that is finally coming around to be reliable still solid athleticism getting to the rim on those straight line drives with his right hand with the way utah moves the ball and the amount of space they're going to have hopefully he can get some of those hard dunks going to the rim he's not going to make multiple moves uh, or really find guys that much and then defensively he's not a stopper on the wing by any means but he's got some defensive versatility i think he adds an important role as a four where maybe Bogdanovich or Joe Ingles might be a little overwhelmed athletically. He's got a little more uh, juice than those guys. Still in his early 30s, he's on the downside here athletically and and has always been overrated defensively just because he looks like he'd be really good, but he still provides more athleticism than those guys do at the minimum. 
he's been solid value the last two years and he fills a role in utah and then emmanuel mudia what do you think of that one uh one year at the minimum uh, to probably be their primary backup one card despite being incredibly high on mudia when he was drafted i've i've soured on him a little bit i don't think he's consistent enough creating shots for others as I would like for a backup point guard. I mean, I would have preferred Neto, but also we should mention, depending on how they want to use Dante Exum, he might be their backup point guard as well, but he might be a two. We'll see how Utah wants to use him moving forward when available. But I mean, I guess it's it's fine. There, We talked about how the backup point guard market when we did the mock-off season, it thins out kind of quickly. I don't think we had necessarily reached that point yet, but maybe the Jazz see untapped potential in Moutier and he could be a better fit for them than some other places well and all they have left to spend are minimums right now so i think given that constraint they did pretty well you know maybe they would have rather had like a jeremy lynn or something but uh there's some talk that lynn if he doesn't get the offer he wants uh may go play in asia but i the the reason i like moutier is not even that he, he's such a good player and, and he did shoot this 46 percent on two point jumpers last year which probably an aberration considering his overall field goal percentage was like below 40 percent every year before this so but maybe he's made some strides and he can at least create a mid-ranger and if you look at their roster they didn't really have anyone who could just like get to a spot and rise up in the mid-range the, the way Moutier can especially on the second unit I think it's actually useful to just have that ability to create some shots and the biggest problem with Moutier has been that his defense has been absolutely atrocious in his career. And so maybe Quinn Snyder can get to him. He's worked under Mike Malone and David Fisdale, you know, who aren't like terrible coaches, but, you know, I, I think Snyder is a little more detail oriented and hopefully it can get Moutier to defend him. Who knows? Maybe he won't play and Exxon will just be healthy and they'll feel fine with him. And they feel like they can get enough ball handling with the guys like Bogdanovich and Ingles on the second unit. If Mitchell and Conley are out of the game or they'll stagger those guys or whatever so maybe Moutier won't play that much but especially they're going to want to keep Conley fresh yeah I think for the minimum especially as a little bit of upside potential and some size and adds an element that they didn't necessarily have on this team so I think I I like that signing pretty well as far as guys are going to be available at the minimum let me see if we got anything else here we have we have one more unless I missed you talking about it and that is Markeith Morris Yes. Markeith Morris signing with the Detroit Pistons. James Edwards had that it is for the biannual. I do not know whether it is one or two years. Maybe there's maybe I missed something, but I don't I don't know that yet. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. And good for the Pistons to get another forward. Morris had largely a lost year due to that neck issue, but it wasn't that long ago that he was an important part of the Wizards rotation. So maybe he can have a little bit of a reclamation year in Detroit. They certainly could use a player with his skills if Morris can make his way back and at the biannual i'm good with it yeah the pistons only 1.5 million dollars shy of the tax line right now sitting on 14 players we could see them being totally done here at this point in time they've got one non-guarantee for speed mikhailiuk which actually guarantees tomorrow uh, i imagine they will just keep him around and maybe just go into the season to start with uh, with 14 players uh because a minimum signing would take them over they also have some redundancies now at langston galloway uh perhaps but I, I think this signing is pretty good and they just needed more in the front court their backup front court situation uh, was a problem a year ago you could see that maybe they would want to bring back zaza still some other kind of pure backup center i think they might see markeith as being able to play with blake griffin and andre drummond but i guess they got thon maker as well who could maybe slide over to center uh so he's still a little light in the shorts there but probably due to the tax concerns i mean they don't have an obvious way to get out of the tax other than maybe moving Galloway if they were to go over. But I, I like the signing. I think it's a good buy low. Uh, they also need some more scoring. Morris could provide that. They don't have a ton of passing on this team outside of Blake Griffin. Morris actually is a, an underrated passer as well. If he could shoot the ball a little bit better, perhaps uh, could be a, a real asset for this team that needed a, a third big uh, who is effective pretty desperately. You know, I wouldn't want to rely on Thon Maker alone to do that. Uh, one more note here on Orlando, who uh, we didn't mention this, but they are in the tax right now. I, I mentioned where they were in terms of the apron on i think it was monday's episode but i really don't see them paying the tax for this team and so that makes me believe that almost certainly a stretch of timofey mozgov is coming mozgov uh another sour 16 the mozgov biombo trade shall forever go down as one of the most hilarious trades in history last year and mozgov really was barely able to play last year they've got plenty of other centers on the team it's totally useless to them so i think it's probably going to be a stretch for mozgov that'll give him a 
another 10 million or so in breathing space below the tax maybe even enough to use the biannual if there's anyone they deem worthy of it and they're not gonna have cap space next year they're slated at 41 million two years from now and this would cut into that by about uh, five million or so anything else we should talk about here do you want to do a a abbreviated rundown of the players that are left i think we can just do like top top players at each position i don't think we need to go all the way to like the deep bench guys but well i mean we're almost there anyway so okay so at point guard delon wright tyus jones nando decolo on the restricted market lynn trey burke rondo and maybe milos i think i heard something that he might be signing in europe with uh tel aviv actually with macabi tel aviv and macabi 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 tel aviv yeah when we get into the uh the israeli stuff that's what my pronunciation there we go that's actually not true despite well i'll still i'll still defer to you over myself so yeah despite studying hebrew for like five years at sunday school i remember absolutely nothing i hated it uh yeah so is that it for the point guards yeah i'll just mention on the kind of deeper than that isaiah briscoe is a guy that i just like i think that i i think that he should get a better chance he really was the was the better backup point guard in orlando but he got hurt and so that's why he fell out of the rotation eventually they found michael carter williams because grant was just so awful they had to get somebody else but i like him there yeah you know you know what a fit that i actually would really like is uh trey burke in orlando mm-hmm. yeah i'm good with like, that like he's he's uh, you know again he's not going to be incredibly efficient he's 26 but he's able to create some some mid-range shots i mean he's, you know he had that run with the knicks two years ago where he was just hitting everything for a time and averaging like 20 a game for a, a pretty you know like a month or something and that's not who he is but Orlando again is another team that just needs someone who can create something off the dribble on the second unit. If Carter Williams, I mean, he Carter Williams had this crazy good net rating last year, and but his offense was as atrocious as ever, and so I wouldn't want to rely on that again. And of course, uh, wouldn't want to rely on one Markel Fultz at backup point guard either. Well, and and now that Moutier is off the board, I'm going to push even harder for Raymond Felton as Miami's point guard just to see what happens. Uh, I guarantee you. Well, I mean, maybe he wants to be in Miami but i don't think raymond felton wants to like you know at age 35 is ready to make the lifestyle changes that uh the pat riley culture is going to demand um shooting guard danny green we talked about him kcp another guy who again i mean he may end up getting quote unquote overpaid again i mean i still think he's a perfectly fine starting shooting guard personally but uh, i don't think many agree with me anymore after this lakers stint amon shumpert is also an interesting one because the rockets have full bird rights on him and i think they're kind of waiting around to see if anyone pops up for the mid-level there's some chance that they could use the full mid-level and get hard capped and maybe have to deal with that but if there is a candidate who emerges who's worth it maybe they'll go in that direction otherwise you know they might want to just bring back Shumpert because uh, they have the full bird rights in him of course the tax and the spending may yeah. be an issue there. Were Tillman Fertitta differently inclined to the luxury tax, they could also use him on Shepard as a human trade exception. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think they should think really seriously about that. Again, Trader Dale Moore, we talked about how they don't have the matching salary, you know, if they wanted to get someone like Iguodala and, and you know, they still have first round picks in the future. They trade it every year, but their future first round picks, I think, are, are unencumbered. So, yeah, I mean, to just get something that you could trade out that's not one of your five starters i think would be pretty useful and their biggest salary outside of their price started with the retirement or, or at least the opting out of nene would be like three million dollars so yeah yeah that, they, that's a great point it makes it makes a lot of sense there especially with how many the type of moves that they like to do avery bradley is now with all all these memphis acquisitions nearly certain to be non-guaranteed you would think uh because they would be well into the tax if they hold on to him justin holiday is out there too as, as a lower end rotation guy and then you're down to lance stevenson jr smith and you know a bunch of real fringe guys who we're not going to get into how about small forward this won't take long Kawhi leonard and that's it yeah kelly Oubre is a restricted free agent doesn't really seem to have a, a market developing you know atlanta is the only team with cap space that isn't trying to win right now maybe you could see dallas going in that direction if they miss out on danny green yeah and it doesn't it doesn't seem like they're prioritizing retaining space in 2020 yeah won the way that you and i would have so they could go years on that yeah but i also don't think they want to overpay for Ubre to the point where you're going to actually get him from phoenix I mean, that would probably be a pretty hefty deal and then you've got i, I still think somebody should be taking a, a 
stab at Stanley Johnson and Justin Anderson. Anderson has kind of maybe had too, a few too many chances. And, and Sam Decker, you never know when those guys are going to get it from a shooting perspective. We know Kyle Korver is going to hit the market now, so we could say, but we already we already talked about where he could go. John Simmons isn't on the market yet. I expect him to be. Maybe Washington keeps him just because they don't have guys. Yeah, he, we talked about what their, uh, what their small forward rotation looks yeah, like. And talk, actually their entire a, a team that could have taken on Napier and Travion Graham, the Washington Wizards just need bodies in the worst way yeah power forward marcus morris still out there you imagine he's gonna end up with uh, one of those cap space teams once the Kawhi thing gets taken care of jermichael green same thing jabari parker we haven't heard anything on him maybe he's waiting as well uh, and he has an offer from washington he's just going to see whether a better one materializes and then go back to them I and mean, supposedly washington wanted to bring him back then you've got ronde hollis jefferson uh, as well that's probably about it jarebko maybe would be your your second best guy and then trey lyles on the restricted market is the only uh restricted free agent a note among power forwards at the center spot demarcus cousins is still the headliner it remains hard to figure out where he's going to go my instinct has been the lakers kind of actually with or without Kawhi that he with, yeah, with which would be an atrocious fit but yeah with with Kawhi, then maybe for the room exception without him they have a lot more spending power we could see what happens there javel mcgee nene kenneth farid tyson chandler pal gasol who apparently wants to play another year and then zubach who has I mean, we haven't yeah, heard really a restricted anything about free him. agent there to, as a reminder yes as a, as a note the zubach is restricted ken birch is also restricted another guy that you and i like and would be worth an offer sheet on the right team could also note ekpe udo i haven't heard him formally signing with a european team yet so i still i I still think he he should get an NBA offer, but if he doesn't get that, and maybe he gets offered yeah. more in Europe. Yeah, and then uh, the cap space Derby, Atlanta, fourteen million. Charlotte uh, and Atlanta also has the room exception. Charlotte has their full mid level exception uh, remaining, and actually could potentially use it. We haven't heard them getting involved with anybody though. Uh, backup point guard is a big need for them, unless uh, Devonte Graham is who they're going to go to there. Let me double check and make sure I'm not forgetting somebody that they have on their roster. Yeah, now that's that's about it, and they've got room below the tax they've got 12 guys on on the roster and they've got 14 million below the tax i'm sorry that's wrong 12 million below the tax so they could use most of or even all of the mid-level but it would also be money out of michael jordan's pocket and perhaps they're realizing that uh they will not be competing this year aside from that dallas may still have their room exception depending uh, on how they use boban and they've got 22 million or so in space left uh denver has their full mle we haven't heard anything about them using that they'll probably use a little of that to sign bull bull to a a three-year or longer deal but uh they're still 13 million dollars below the tax there's no reason they shouldn't use the mle except uh you know cash indiana may have the room exception still depends uh how they they want to get to mcconnell clippers and lakers both basically just about a Kawhi size max slot and also their room exceptions minnesota has their full mid-level but we talked about how they may not be able to use that with the layman acquisition and tyus jones still out there to stay below the tax knicks have their room exception OKC has their mini mid-level, may not use it. Orlando has the BAE. If they stretch Mozgov, they would probably have room below the tax uh, to use that. Philly looks like they used their room exception on Mike Scott, so I'll go ahead and delete that. Spurs do not have their BAE, as you reminded me last time, because they used it on Dante Cunningham last year. Toronto has their mini mid-level. Very difficult to see them using that, unless maybe they were to bring back Kawhi and Danny Green were to leave, but then, I, you know, the, the pickings are so slim, it's probably not even worth it for them. They'd rather just save it for the buyout. And then uh, Washington still has their BAE remaining as well. All right, so I don't think there's anything that could happen unless there's some massive of trade so the next time we talk to you we will know what team Kawhi Leonard will be playing for in 2019-20 so you can read my piece at the athletic about the human trade exception and we'll talk to you on July 15th <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh Jabari Young saying it may not happen in the next couple days he's, he's usually been relatively plugged in uh there but uh yeah subscribe to read Danny's stuff uh, at the athletic and also our patreon patreon.com slash duncan the rue we're going to get a, a bunch more updates out over the next 12 hours or so give you a, a picture of where the league is at right now and what free agents are remaining if you prefer to see these things in text form instead of podcast form so we'll talk to you all you know december tomorrow till then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.